Okay, so you you can't remember the name of the therapist in Ted Lasso, but I also think I was the one that thought um, Reese Witherspoon's character in the morning show was named Bradley Cooper. So we each have our own opportunities. Is that wait? Is that is that not her character name? No, we we had a thing because uh, again, I for quality control reasons, I listen to one out of every seven episodes. Um, and I could not remember that her name, like I couldn't remember her name at all. And then you said Bradley, and then I did word association, um, and thought it was Bradley Cooper, and it's actually Bradley Jackson. Oh, and season two of that show, and season okay. two of that show yeah. was unwatchable, so nobody should watch it. And all entertainment that has chosen to not incorporate the coronavirus into their storylines are much wiser. And I'm, I'm actually very surprised that that, like, no, nobody. I don't think any other show has tried that. Is there any media or, or TV shows that you know of that have? given it more than just like a cursory like plot point not like that they I leaned know into of, it hard i'm i'm sure there are others out there yeah i think i probably um, had the same reaction the last time that you said bradley cooper like totally not picking up that that wasn't right and then 30 seconds yeah. later realizing oh wait no that's that's a, that's another like real life actor right well well yeah it's the guy from a star is born right never yeah. saw that recommended not mm. not like the world's best movie not gonna set the world on fire but it's got it's a, it's a good movie that's uh lady gaga right she's in you that? betcha okay mm-hmm. yeah uh okay the, the, so the actual show now so uh, there's one thing so you're gonna drive most of this because i t- this week was apple event week and i kind of i'm, I'm falling off the wagon a little bit i'm very i'm, I'm becoming old manish you've, but you've so, a, little, a little cynical towards the the apple stuff yeah i think become cynical about life in general but that's at washley <laughs> We're going to get to well, that. Well, let's say, let's, let's well, tungle that. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> but no, uh, so I, I, my responsibility in this organization is the show opener. That's pretty much it. So I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the Biden economy and who we're all voting for in 2024. Okay. I'm joking about the last part, but I'm talking about, but I want to talk about the economy for a second. Okay. So I don't That's think we talked about here for, uh, huh. Uh, huh. I, I have strong thoughts on J pal. Actually, I, I actually kind of do. Um, I bet you do. In the, yeah. Um, Last week, I was offered uh, from from actually from the from what I'm cynical about from the Apple Corporation, I was offered the opportunity to finance um, a blue bottle latte, and I do think so. I want I want to talk about in, uh, inflation and kind of the general economic situation just a little bit, but I did. So I have a I have strong feelings about the whole buy now pay later thing and kind of what that says about the consumer economy in general and stuff like that. But the fact that there's not inside ios some like minimum threshold for hey if you're buying a cup of coffee maybe don't suggest that because you get when you do the apple pay thing it says uh painful or i forget what the, i took a screenshot of it but i think i already deleted it but we talked about this in person and it, it offers the opportunity to split up that purchase and, and, and people don't need to be financing lattes like i understand that uh, a standard oat milk haze valley espresso latte at blue bottle is now 625 um and to 725 825 with tip is kind of that's that's it's getting up there but not necessarily something that needs to be split up into six easy payments apple yeah the i i had a similar thought and experience the first time that i saw that which was uh, ordering takeout from blue barn a few weeks ago and, mm. you know, as I, you know, 
quip to you offline offline that there you know there's there's a joke in there somewhere about blue barn being so expensive that maybe it is a good candidate for this but kidding aside i you know that this was not a particularly expensive takeout order and i i had the same thought which is this this seems like too small of a purchase to present this option like i, I don't know what the threshold would be i don't know 100 bucks 200 dollars. I don't, I don't know what the right number is but a coffee or a relatively small food takeout order seems like too low of a bar. Yeah. And I would actually say going, oh, and again, this is something we'll talk about in the overarching economic discussion is that blue bar, blue bar now seems very, their prices have not increased. Everybody else's have, mm. have, they've taken that opportunity where blue barn seems quite reasonable now. Like the quality is still extremely good. And you sure what used to be a $14 salad, three years ago is now maybe sixteen twenty five, but honestly like I, I we talked about this like i every six months i will somehow like the shame will overcome me and i will like impulse buy taco bell and of what a restaurant you would feel would be very very cheap not cheap very very easy to end up spending twenty dollars there but anyway also blue barn uh is expanding where they're gonna have a new location um in coal valley I saw that on your, your Insta. Yeah. Is that what kids call it? I think so. Right. Mm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hip or with it, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Just cause it's, it, cause the other one is it's on, is it Pacific Heights where like, like Steiner and Polk, like that's kind of the, the parking situation is not great. So therefore getting blue barn has always been kind of, if you're in the city all day, it's been kind of a, an ordeal. So yeah, it'd be nice to have one closer. Yeah, I, I live in um, prime Blue Barn territory. I've, I've got like <laughs> you're, two you're locations. Equ- well, you're you're equidistant to two different yeah, ones, and, and, and you choose you choose the weird one. No, but... I choose I choose the one that's quicker and easier to get in and out of. Yeah, it's it's, it's less less busy up that way than the, than the southern one. Yeah, yeah, d- yeah. Downtown Nevada's funky, but yeah, that yeah, interesting. Um, but now you won't be going to Blue Barn anymore because. It just it's your family's diet is probably all just crumble cookies now <laughs> well not yet but um so, now that we have a crumble location alarmingly close to us um that joke may become reality soon yeah, yeah. uh anyways but back to the economic thing so like it's just it, it's weird we're even like now cocktails in oakland have crossed the 15 dollar threshold like it's it's it, it things cost a lot but the bee in my bonnet about this situation is uh, what I think a lot of people think is a Marin County success story. So I will, I will send you a link because I am blowing this up on social media. So Equator Coffee, have you, are you familiar with the co- concept of shrinkflation? I am. And I also saw you post this on, on, the, on the Insta. So I'm, I'm excited to hear you talk about this. Sure. But so can you explain what shrinkflation is? So this is, you know, you'll see this a lot with um, food. And I actually, I actually have a, a similar um, experience recently with a charcoal from my barbecue <gasps> where you'll, you'll go buy a good that is, you know, the same, same price as maybe you purchased it before, but you're mm-hmm. getting less in it. And it's often the case mm-hmm. that it's not immediately apparent that you're getting less. You've got to kind of read the fine print, like the, the bag or the packaging might look very similar or maybe even it's just or be identical. the same yeah 
but you're getting you're getting less stuff. Yeah, my not to not to steal your thunder here, but my no, no, my, please, please do. My story is that um, a small little pleasure in life that I get really excited about is we have a charcoal barbecue here at the house, and charcoal is surprisingly expensive, generally speaking. But Home Depot uh, every Memorial Day has a sale on charcoal. They they pre COVID used to put it like fifty percent off, so it was like a really really good deal. Since COVID, the the deal's not been nearly as good. Uh, but that aside, they used to do two ten pound bags, or it, maybe it's um, yeah two ten pound bags. Um, now for the same price this year, two eight pound bags were eight pound bags a thing beforehand or and they've just changed the sale or has the manufacturer made it just shrunk the package that used to be previously 10 they i believe and, and so real real time follow up here my my multiples are wrong here it, it used to be two 20 pound bags that are now two 16 pound bags same um, ratios yeah. Yeah. Um to answer your question though, I, I don't recall ever seeing a sixteen pound bag before. That's an odd that's a weird number. It is it's, a weird it's an number. odd number, but it's the, it's an even number. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it, it's it's I think similar to your coffee story here where it's it's two bags that come sort of like wrapped together. Um mm-hmm. and all of that is exactly the same. Like the you know, the print on the, the packaging is is all the same. Like you could very easily not even notice until you got home and and saw hey this this says sixteen instead of twenty. So anyway, I've 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 taken taken too much of the, your thunder here. Oh no no it's fine. And also, can you do me a favor? Uh, can you name and shame what what is the brand? Is this uh, just the, your classic classic the, Kings Kingsford? How dare they? And you know, I mean, in it's home, the apple of charcoal. <laughs> in Home, De- home Depot's defense, I mean, this is and in Kingsford's defense, I guess, like this is still like by far and away the best price you'll find on charcoal but but it's no, it's it's the principal no. amount you know pre it's dishonest pre-covid no. so it used to be twenty dollars for two 20 pound bags and they would put these on sale for memorial day weekend for like 10 or 11 bucks and now the sale price is like 18 dollars. So you're only getting like two bucks off which again i get irrationally excited about but my excitement was somewhat dimmed this year when when i experienced shrinkflation mm-hmm. but actually as an environmental policy i'm actually all behind this yeah that's fair <laughs> this is like cap and trade except it's an extremely hyper local situation um okay so with this one so th- this this the reason why i brought up the other stuff and also like i'm a i'm a croissant connoisseur like croissants have now approached like 550 i am my thing is raising prices we could talk about the like what inflation is and how much of it has been opportunistic and and all like there's a whole there's a whole discussion to be had there but there's an honest way to fuck the customer and there's like a dishonest way to do it and just raise the price the, because the, the so the situation here is so I was, at, I was at whole foods i needed to buy some more coffee i didn't really because the, i i really love Andytown coffee but the thing is uh you don't get and this is not their fault you don't get free shipping until you spend fifty dollars and the way their bags are priced, and it's not that they're pricing them poorly, you end up having to buy like two and a half pounds of coffee to get free shipping, and that's just too much coffee. So if I'm not near one of their cafes, I will just, I end up just buying something at Whole Foods. So I needed some fussy coffee, 
for my fussy espresso machine for my fussy lattes that I make in the morning. And then like Equator, so Equator is based, is it was founded and based in San Rafael. And I think it's a fairly well regarded brand. It's, I wouldn't say it's out of this world coffee, but it's, it's fine. And I will generally mix it in like every, every fourth bag of coffee I get, I'll, I'll give it a go. And their espresso blend of beans is called Tiger Walk Espresso. And when you go to your fancy, like to, to a fancy grocery store, you will be presented with all your local options. And generally the size package of beans that you get on the shelf is generally 12 or 16 ounces, but almost always 12. That's just kind of what the standard is. And that's the part that pisses me off so much about this because I go pick this up. I was like, oh, it's on sale. So normally it's the price on the shelf says it's $18.99. It was 16 or whatever with your having Amazon prime and whatever. And I pick it up. I was like, okay, that's not bad. And then, but just, and I can't, I don't have a picture for reference. I can't tell if the, like the net weight, because on this package, if you're looking at the picture, I posted to Reddit, because again, I'm, I'm mad about this and I'm, I'm going to, I have, I went, I used every avenue I could to express my displeasure and I, I don't use Twitter anymore. Otherwise I would have done that too. But the, the font size or the type size of the net weight, I'm pretty sure they shrunk that because in a, on, on a, on multiple shelves next sitting pretty next to tons of other 12 ounce bags, coffee, this one is 10 and a half. So similar to your 16 pound bag of charcoal, which is just a weird number or just like, just, it's just, it's obvious like what is happening. It feels so dishonest. Just raise, just raise the price. Like, if like, just raise, just raise the price. Stop. Like you don't, you don't have to do this. You know, like you're just count. The reason why I'm so mad about it is that they're just counting on people not noticing. And that's scummy. And the bag is the exact same size as the bag as, as it used to be. And what, what you're, you're the math guy. What is, what, what's, uh, what's, uh, 10.5 divided by 12. It's a 12 and a half percent reduction in the amount of coffee that you get. The price of course has not gone down. I'm sure it actually is probably more than their old 12 ounce bags were a year ago, but it's dishonest. I hate it. It's lousy. And, uh, Fuck them. No, like that this this is this is trashy. I hate it. Is 163 comments the most you've ever gotten on a Reddit post of yours? No. I think actually let me go let me go to submit. Like most of like my I I'm kind of a big cheese in the Trader Joe's subreddit. So <laughs> uh I don't th- actually that might be. Huh. It's it's pretty yeah, good. I think I'm, I, I'm I think I think people I think people are very pissed, and also the people in the espresso subreddit, which is not a very good subreddit. Like it's it's a it's a lot of like kind of like no offense to you, because uh, I actually think you're off the bandwagon. But like mechanical keyboards, like I assume that subreddit is also pretty toxic, or it's just a bunch of people who just like arguing about minutia. Fair. Like I feel like you did it because it was a cool project, and you thought it might be fun, and you probably still think it's all right, but you're not going to get in fights with internet strangers about keycaps no certainly not and i feel like that's probably what the mechanical keyboard subreddit is so like yeah the espresso subreddit like take it with a grain of salt it is not like the pizza and the trader joe's subreddits which are wholesome and supportive and everybody's kind to each other and it's it, it it's like canada there and the espresso subreddit is very much like modern day america 
Yeah, don't don't read the comments here, but I I, I couldn't help myself and wait, kind wait. of scroll through them a bit. But it, it is a it's surprisingly um, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say least, hostile, they... but there's definitely there's some there's some takes being thrown around here. But are they for or against me, or or just up against the concept? Uh, it's a combination of the two, I would say. Mm. Some people saying not a super big deal. Others totally agreeing with you. I think one comment literally is just the word shrinkflation. Um, oh, with yeah, three exclamation marks. <laughs> vote with your wallet. No, but actually scroll to the bottom because there was one that I did read that pissed me off, which is, so if you scroll to the very, very bottom, uh, there's a user, <laughs> name and shame, uh, Mark Tess. And they, I, I, does this person work for Equator? Did they do a Google search on this? Uh, do, do, do. uh, reading through some of the comments puzzles me though. Are people not aware that coffee is becoming more expensive and scarcer and roasters like Equator are conscientious about working, working with growers to pay them a fair price in addition to providing generous benefits and a living wage for their own employees. Do you work for them? Well, also like, I mean, you're, you're making it clear here. Like you're not against. No, raise the price. Exactly. Just, right. Don't just don't try to trick it. people. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah. yeah no i'm 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 with you yeah I'm no but that, but that but that, that's the, but also the only other thing that i found f- not funny but maybe maybe sad is that people were frequently asking what um what store is this where you have so many coffee options and it it is one of those things where i forget that if you don't live like in a major metro area you don't really have that me- like his here like if you go to like just the safeway or like anywhere like you have like a billion and one like local craft breweries you have like so many like locally sourced options or actually that is a novelty that I that I think that we probably take for granted. It it's true. Yep. And also somebody else posted a uh, a thing about uh Jimmy Buckets and Big Face Coffee mm. where there was a there's a video that keeps getting reposted. I, I it's probably old, but Bleacher Report did a thing where a little girl was interviewing him asking for a coupon because she thinks $25 or $20 is too expensive for coffee. And then he says, "It now it's $25 for you." It's it's very cute. Yeah, J- Jimmy Butler's got a he's got a pretty good personality um or pretty funny like, personality yeah and like the rest of america i'm not watching the nba finals is is he still in it and how is how is it going uh he is in it and the series which team does he is, play for he's he's not on the nuggets is he no he's on the other one the miami heat oh series okay. series is well one one okay i did appreciate in the apple keynote that they did show like two screenshots where the lakers were losing and i thought that was <laughs> i yeah don't 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 think that that didn't um, catch my attention too i uh, loved it anyway fuck equator this is dumb uh please stop trying to trick customers like or at least if you're gonna do it do it in a situation where it's like where there's a thing doesn't come in a standard size like if you like just just don't right. also like, it's like if a, um, if a gallon of milk started end up like what's what's a gallon 128 ounces like if it start, actually no, they did start doing this. This was before shrinkflation, but um, with oat milk, uh, Chobani was one of the first companies that. What's what's the, is it a quart? What's the size of like you know the cardboard milk? Cardboard milk size sixty four ounces. Isn't it like like half a gallon? Right? No. Yeah, it's a half gallon. So what is yeah. what is a half gallon in ounces? Half gallon ounce of 64 right 64 yeah it sounds yeah right. but then chobani started so the original oat milk used to be only and then uh Calafia and a bunch of other people started making their own oat milk and um chobani made their own 
but they started making 52-ounce things to be more price competitive or to seem cheaper. So, yeah, but like, not knock that shit off. If if if, the, if there's a standard size for something, like, I I, I wish I had. There, I wish there were eleven days in a week so that I could just stand in the aisles of Whole Foods and Target and tell people that they're getting fucked. I'm I'm, I'm still <laughs> mad about this. Like eight days later. Um. All right. Uh. Follow up. So actually, I want to hear about two things before we get into all the Apple stuff from you. So yeah. you have you had two positive experiences over the past couple of weeks and I want to hear about them. Oh yeah, I forgot about this other one. Thank you for for reminding me. Um mm-hmm. in a in the thing, we didn't just telepathically communicate with each other or edit something out. I don't have my this... headset yet. <laughs> nice. Um so first good experience was I I guess follow up um in the sense that our last episode right you were talking or two episodes ago at this point who knows um you were kind of bemoaning your experience trying to use um public ev chargers that are not superchargers and you know i i think i had said on the show that i haven't really used a ton but i've certainly heard lots and lots of experiences which mirrored yours well, over the weekend, took a took a road trip down to Paso Robles, and the hotel that we were staying at had some EV chargers, which I actually didn't know about before we went down there. So that was kind of kind of nice. And you know, I, I pull up to one of them, and I think, oh geez, here we go. Like this is going to be the typical experience where there's going to be like a a website or something on the thing and it's going to take you to the app store page you're going to have to download an app you're going to have to create an account you're going to have to input all your information with your credit card and then you can charge um and sure enough you know I pull up to the thing and it's got a, it's got a QR code so I think okay yeah this is going to be the QR code to download the app blah 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 but no you you scanned the QR code it took you to a web page and the web page was very nicely laid out, very clear, said, you know, here's the here's the kilowatt per hour rate, which is actually even a little bit cheaper than the nearby supercharger. So that was nice. And you just entered your credit card information right there in the web page, plugged the car in, and you were good to go. And when you were done charging, it emailed you a receipt. And that was it. So it was a, a really pleasant experience. Good, but because again, as a resident Debbie Downer, I guess what what would have been, and I'm not, I'm not saying how successful would it have been, but what would have been the situation if? Because the whole thing about EV adoption is it's is it something that like a non nerd can do? So like, what what if you're what if you didn't have your phone with you? What if you did not ha- like? What if your phone was too old to do one of the like? Yeah, what if you pretend you didn't have your phone with you? No, was I think there a I think card reader. No, 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 you'd be out of luck. See that's that's not okay, or that's just not a great solution. No, that that's so it's, that's so totally it, fair. Yeah, yeah. So, but it's good that it. So, was it? Did it allow you? What was the payment method? Did you have to input a credit card, or did it support like embedded Apple Pay? What was the? Ooh, what was that the, that would have been the cherry on top, as if it supported um, Apple Play, Apple Pay. That would have been great because um, then I could I could have broken it up into four God equal payments. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, you just entered your um, your credit card information. Uh, jinx. Yeah, you can finance a latte for me. Um, so that actually, it <laughs> to give Apple credit, um, I I actually don't like 
ever in a, a, a transacting with something that's not like Amazon, B&H, or something that allows me to use Apple Pay. Agreed. Yeah. Like, I don't... There's a lot of things where, like, oh, if a... Actually, put, please put a bookmark in this because I'm going to forget where we were 30, 30 seconds from now. Um, did you know that Toast, like the restaurant POS company, is a public company? I did not know that. No. They are. Uh, but, like, kind of, like... What like is like restaurants that don't use toast or square like i'm i don't know what the like i ho- i really hope that toast and square charge a reasonable fee because like i assume for like in in store like it's the standard uh three or 3.25 percent and then you have to buy the hardware i assume when like you when they turn on the like toast tab online and the um the square like order from our website they probably collect like a larger fee i hope it's maybe 10 percent, like not like the doordash um like fuckery but like a website where it's like hey order from us and it's this weird in-house thing and it doesn't support apple pay or it just tells you to like key in your credit card number and the website not that it doesn't look secure but like it doesn't look familiar or from like i i nope out of that pretty quick so there there is definitely a lot to be said for having like being integrated with something that's like inherent like inherently or implicitly trustworthy the, yeah again yeah fair, so that's the EV, yeah the, the ev thing like if if this was not like ev go or charge point even though their product doesn't actually work in terms of being trustworthy companies where i don't think my credit card is going to get like compromised immediately like what was sorry what was this company name it was one that i had not heard of i'd have to go back and SEMA look at the connect picture it's um cyber switching um Oh no, this is um uh sorry. Um either was this a reverse merger? Have you ever heard of like there was a, a company that had made uh chargers called Blink. I think that's what this is. They might have rebranded. Mm. I haven't heard of that. Interesting. Either. No. Okay. Yeah, well cool. I'm glad I'm glad there was a positive um thing there. But yeah. Until like it, it's easy to like even have like a not smartphone based experience. I think I think there's still a lot of opportunity. Well, Carlos, let me tell you. You know what would be well, actually we, we, actually when we're not getting there quite yet. There's there's another another good experience before getting to um, my other exciting news, which is which semi related to the EV charging topic. Yeah, you're too, you're too happy this week. I gotta get. Put some, I, I know. I, gotta I find I, some bad news. I, I <laughs> tried to tried to to jump to the next topic there. Um, I don't remember if we talked about. Um, this Lightroom update on the show, I don't, I don't think we did, um, but they're one of their big releases. Um, introduced this AI powered denoise tool, and um, you know, I've, I've got a number of photos from over the past, you know, few years in my fancy camera where they're they're a bit noisier than I'd like them to be, which you know, most of the time is just user user error on my part. In fact, you you. Um, updated some ISO settings on my my camera um, somewhat recently, um, so these pictures were from <laughs> before that. Um, and there 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 was a particular set of photos that I took on um, the older new housemate's um, second birthday, which which were really really good photos, but they were they were pretty noisy. And so I thought, oh, let me let me try this you know fancy. Um, denoise tool that that adobe just came out with and i mean maybe i'll let you just give your opinions i i sent you the before and after photos and i i was 
I was super, super impressed. Can you remind me what day this was? Just so uh, I can look at the, pe- the pictures little, themselves. I think I, well, I, we put this in the, the non-topic thing. So this was back. May 24th. May, 20, May the 24th be with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is, so so like uh, contextual here, there is an app that I had been on the fence about buying that is actually pretty good called Topaz AI Denoise that does something very, very similar. And I'm, and I'm kind of glad I never actually bought it because it was like $80 and it never, it just never went on sale and now I don't have to buy it. But yeah, so you, I can't, well, actually, let me, let me hit download. Let me see if um, the EXIF data is, so command I. And uh, you, you, you exported it without EXIF. That's okay. Uh, do you remember the original ISO here? I'm guessing this would have been shot at like 3,200 or 4,000. Some, something pretty high yeah yeah and this is a very nice picture and it's it's good that you took it that that way because like you you'd rather have a a grainy photo but that's sharp right and that looks nice and there's a lot of detail here um kiddo's got an extra cute smile on and uh it's very good uh but then yeah if you go to the one that you did the the denoising on does a surprisingly good job like if you want to get really critical about it there are areas on, like on like like facial contours and stuff where it is maybe overly smooth but unless you're zooming in like it looks amazing like this is a top-notch result yeah and that's if that allows you to have the ability to um boost up your um like iso like ceiling and tolerances to make to be able to get more and focus and like shots that you maybe otherwise would have thought and eh, no, this, this is a fool's errand that's 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 great yeah, well, and yeah. and with the denoise tool, there there were some so you, you can customize it se- settings. Yeah, and I you know I I didn't dig into any of that, so I maybe I could get even slightly better results than what I got here. But even just clicking the button to say hey, take the noise away, I I thought did a, a pretty darn good job. So, and yeah. I and I haven't played around with this too much because um, I haven't had many night photos to edit. I mean, I do have a lot of night photos to edit, but those I just call, uh, I'm. Uh, editing debt or whatever the how we recontextualize that that that's very very deep right now but like though i tried i tried a couple on a couple old photos and like the workflow of it is actually not bad so what it like have are you familiar with virtual copies in lightroom i wasn't until i uh, used uh the denoise thing like so virtual copies are like if you if you have a like a raw file and you want to like you make edits to it but then let's say you want to maybe make like do like a it was a landscape photo and you want to do maybe like a tighter like portrait um like crop but you don't actually want to edit the original photo you can right click on it and create a virtual copy where it'll say like one of two and you can be editing the same photo but not have to like keep rolling back edits it's a, it's a very very nice feature that allows you to make multiple photos out of a single photo and that's what it does here where it will do a it like basically and it's kind of how topaz denoise ai worked where it would do like a round tripping thing where um you had to go into another app or another mode and then it would export a dng or a digital negative file back into lightroom and that's what this is doing but it's it's consolidated into like a single like dialog box inside the same app so you keep the original and then you you see like a little tag in a virtual copy of the one that has the um uh denoise processing done to it so yeah it's a good it's a good experience it's, it's that is the one <laughs> we're, I, we're never going to talk about this i assume because we don't maybe i'm actually you're an ipad proponent maybe we will but not this week, about uh, Final Cut and um, Logic coming to the iPad. 
but that is the one thing about subscription software is like oh i like i pay adobe the 30 or 40 dollars a month to have creative cloud and like while that's annoying uh not having to like not having them hold important features like for two years until version 22 comes out like it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of nice to get a very useful feature just because it's june because like you pay monthly for it that's kind of nice right all right well, let's talk some ev stuff and then we'll talk apple stuff mm-hmm. um so i i think i found my my next car um it's it's a it's Riv- the rivian r1s <laughs> right um so ford um i guess it was last monday as we're recording this um had like a some kind of investor day i think this was and they gave a little bit more detail around their next generation of EVs, which they're going to start coming out with in 2025. Um, they're going to come out with another pickup truck. And then they're also coming out with, and this is, of course, the one I'm excited about, a three-row SUV. That's, they, they didn't really give a ton of details on exact size, but... I guess sort it, of like reading between the lines and, and hearing some people who were there sounds like they're implying it's going to be kind of like an Explorer size. Well, that's what I was going to ask. Does it have a name? Like, is it going to be just like the electrified, was it their mid-size one, the Expedition? No, uh, the, they have the Explorer and then they have the Expedition, which is their like full-size um, SUV, which, and they, they did compare it some to the Expedition, but said that it's it's not as big as that because that just would be too big of a battery um so you know i think pretty pretty good size car and so you know coming out of that announcement i was was pretty pretty excited about that it's going to be you know ford's like you know whole next generation ev platform there's like this big emphasis on making it you know less expensive etc etc a lot of really good things um about it so i came out of that super excited but, you know, the one thing which we have also recently talked about on the show is that it is really nice having access to the supercharger network. I mean, also, as talked about on the show, that's not something that I rely on regularly. But, you know, even like this this road trip that we took this past week in El Paso, like supercharging experiences to and from, awesome. And so, you know, losing that would be a little bit of a bummer. But two days later, last Wednesday, comes this news that um, Tesla, as part of this next generation of, of EVs that they're starting to release in a couple of years, are going to adopt the Tesla charging plug and will have you know native access to superchargers just in the same way that Tesla vehicles do. Which, you know, to use this phrase a second time on the show here, was just a, you know icing on the cake or the cherry on top. So. So There's can, we, can a, we clarify? Can we clarify this? Which does that mean that? Uh, so does Tesla's connector? Sorry, we're going to re, we're going to recreate a conversation we had in person. Um, does Tesla's connector have a name? It does. Um, it's known as the NACS, which I think stands for North American Charging Standard. So it's Tesla. Google. Tesla a year ago announced that they were. I don't know if open sourcing is the right word, but they they were basically making available their plug and making it available for other EV manufacturers to to use. And Ford has now become the the first to to actually do so. Well, but it's so 
a couple things here. So, so that was going to be my initial question or, or thing I wanted to clarify, which is that it's not that somehow there's going to be a big expansion or upgrade to the supercharger network where they're going to work with the CCS charger that Ford is going to be putting in the cars. Like Ford is actually going to put the, for all intents and purposes, the Tesla connector on their cars. And so that goes hand in hand with another bit, which is that Ford and Tesla, you are now going to be able to plug in Ford cars that have this and have kind of the same experience that you would with a an Elmo mobile. Exactly. Supercharge network. Yep. Yep. Um, which you know just makes that three row um, Ford SUV like. I mean, not knowing any of the details about it yet, se- seemingly like the perfect EV. Um, but I mean, obviously, we'll have to see all the details on it uh, in the you know coming year or so. But I'm I'm tentatively very very excited about that. Well, what you've proven is that in the fullness of time, you have ostensibly gotten CarPlay in a Tesla, sort of. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. Um, I do look forward to entitled Tesla owners being shitty that they have to share their supercharger network <laughs> with uh uh with with uh normies. Um, and then I really and I really hope that everybody who has a Ford that it comes with a free bumper sticker that says Love the car, hate the guy. <laughs> <laughs> or it's or that or the, like a bumper sticker that says my Tesla has CarPlay or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Um, it's it's very much a California thing in particular, but it it is pretty incredible how superchargers are just everywhere. Like when you you know, I looking at the map like I did planning this this trip that we took last weekend. I mean, yeah, it it it's it's wild, and there's tons more under construction too. Pretty pretty impressive. All right, a couple other quickies. Um. So we've been talking, this has been kind of a beat that we've been covering, not not a, that we've been covering or reporting on, but we've been highlighting it, which is that uh, Diamond Sports, which owns all the, so, sorry, remind me, was this, were they like a divestiture, like creation when like Disney bought Fox? Because like, aren't yeah. all these Bally RSNs previously what used to be like Fox Sports West or whatever? That That's exactly right. Yeah. So uh, the the San Diego Padres are one of those. But they are a weird situation where the RSN was half half owned by the team specifically, or like there was, there was some. It was it was not wholly owned by Diamond Sports, which means that they, since they're in conflict with MLB, they and you can tell me if I'm explaining this wrong. They can't be part of the bankruptcy procedure, so therefore they can't like do the thing that makes them like not have consequences immediately. So the MLB basically the solution to this. So they they no longer have the rights to broadcast uh, Padres games because they weren't paying the the licensing fees or rights to broadcast it. So the stopgap solution is that MLB has an extremely specific version of like what's it called MLB Extra Innings, MLB at bat or no, MLB TV that is like just that it still has like geofencing restrictions. And it's like 20 bucks a month, but only if you live in San Diego or the San Diego metro area. Is that correct-ish? It is, yeah. So you, you can do the, the direct streaming thing or, and we'll, we'll see if this continues after just this year. Um, Major League Baseball is also 
struck deals with like local cable providers. So if you're a, you know, you're a Padres fan in the area, you can still access these MLB produced games just, you know, through your cable or satellite subscription like you had been with the with the Bally's channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. Um yeah, it's all been you know, sort of theoretical up to this point. I mean, it kind of seemed imminent, but but hadn't actually happened yet. And here, you know, here's kind of the first concrete example of of an of an RSN, you know, essentially being in breach of its contract with the team and the league stepping in and, and taking over the broadcast. And this is certainly not going to be the the last example of this. A couple of weeks ago, when I talked about or I talked about visiting San Diego, did I talk about touring Petco Park? Um, I, I you know, not to mention it again, I, I saw that on your uh, your Insta, but I don't think we talked about it. Yeah, it was one uh, I, extremely cool ballpark for a team that I actually have no strong that's, feelings. That's what for. every that's what everybody says. Yeah, yeah, it's nice, but also so one really good tour because you get to you get to go in the dugout, you get to go in the press box, and I found it very interesting like i just laughing to myself like anytime i saw bally's branding or anything i'm like oh that's that's gonna be taped over in like a month and that, that was very amusing but no it's it's a it's a beautiful stadium it's a it's a an okay city but it's a it's a very it's a very cool stadium yeah yeah so the um the this will all be in the athletic article which people should read but you know going back to what i think is probably the most interesting part of the story which is sort of like what happens past this season and you know this 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 article has all the details and it's all the stuff we've been talking about which is just when you when you look at the math it's just it's it's not going to be possible for major league baseball to to get anywhere near what they were getting from bally's and so (laughs) you know what 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 happens to that that shortfall and you know a a team like the padres are, are are big enough where you know they're going to be okay but particularly some of these smaller market teams it it's just it's the the numbers aren't just the numbers just aren't going to add up and there's just going to be huge consequences for for all these leagues well so who which teams do they like i guess like just for curiosity what what is the smallest team that they support so there's their, their markets are arizona detroit florida the great lakes kansas City. okay so yeah well Actually, the Royals are probably a big team, right? Kansas City would be a Ish. relatively small market. I think Arizona would be a relatively small market. Bally um, <laughs> Sports West, the Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> um, oh, but that's a similar situation. Well, hold on, Los Angeles Angels have a 25% equity stake. So, wait, why hasn't anything happened there? Well, uh-huh. I, I know it could be, I mean, I'm I'm no corporate like entity <laughs> expert but i don't know maybe each joint venture maybe the ability for the rsn part of the venture to continue its payments varies from team to team based on just the particular finances of of the team like i i, I don't know got it like maybe i don't know maybe something like ad revenue or something was particularly bad with the Padres and so the RSN was falling, you know, further into debt. I mean, I I I don't know all the minutia of this stuff. Well. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was going to say nothing. Moving on. 
so Ted Lasso ended. Did it? Or did it? <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't I don't like this. Um so yes, uh Ted Lasso ended last week. Um and I feel like there's hmm, this could be another victory victory lap for me. Uh, where I feel like I've been intellectually honest and I've been very on this beat for a, a long time, which is that this season of the show has been terrible the entire time. And I feel like nobody agreed except up until now, everybody's like, Oh yeah, it did suck. And I'm just, I'm so curious as to what, as to why that is. I was just watching it just because it was a show that I once enjoyed and it kind of, it's, it's, it's in the zeitgeist people are watching it. And I was like, might as well finish that. I've already given the show two seasons of my life and yeah, it was, it wasn't very good. And, uh, it ended like, I, 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 like the second to last episode was pretty solid, but the ending pretty, pretty not great. And all the reviews seem to also suggest that it was an extremely lopsided, uh, uninteresting meandering, but also not deep enough season of a show that maybe either went on too long or should have gone on longer, but Either way, the third season was kind of just a mess, and I feel vindicated. Yeah, I I wouldn't go as as far as as you have here, but it 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 certainly it wasn't the best. Um, I I agree with basically every word of this um, Alan Seppenwall review of the finale in Rolling Stone. There'll be a link to that in the notes. Um, really good write up on on the finale and the season as a whole. You know, the, the other thing that's just, just weird is not knowing whether this was the end of the show or not. And, and the, the Rolling Stone article goes into, you know, provides some good examples of this, where like with Keeley, for example, um, you know, choosing between Jamie and Roy, like her rejecting both of them in the finale, is that like a, a sign that she's moving on from them or is that something that then sets up another storyline in the the spinoff that they're going to do like it, it's just weird not knowing if this is the, the end so you know that you, you can't help but be sort of i don't know be being kind of confused by all of that too and i i, I do i do think that i've seen this theory floated around a bit and maybe it's even in this rolling star article too about how it, maybe it's possible that they were planning on announcing um, a, a spinoff or two, basically like right after the finale, but that that got you know postponed because of the writer strike. Um, but in, in, in any case, I think it, it's I can't remember another example where a show was going through a season and you and you didn't know whether it was going to be its last or not. I mean, obviously, like show cancellations aside. A very strange situation. But but even if so, does that really affect your enjoyment of it? It does. Or I mean, like, totally. or I mean, do you, are you yeah, really? Like, I, I don't you know, know whether I'm supposed to be the ending and viewing this that's as going to change closure, things a bunch. Or if I'm like, supposed the, the, to be the team is not going to set up for the next thing. Well, but it's not like that. You think like like the team gets sent to I don't know, like on like I, just like it's not they're they're not going to stop playing soccer like the the I'm not. I'm not sure that really changes a ton. Like, well, I, like it, it, might mean, be... it did. I'm saying it did for me personally. Mm. Okay. 
Yeah, but I don't know. Like, it's just, sorry, let me, let me ask you this. Do you want it to go on? Like, do you, like, knowing the fact that Jason is over this as a project, and that's why he, like, he capped it at three for himself, and a show called Ted Lasso has to, kind of has to end, or they have to do, like, some strong pivot. Do you want it to go on? Like, do you still think there's a ton, not, not just like, but yeah, do, do you want it to go on? I do. Yeah. In what way? I think, or is I like, think in, show... in, in your, in, in your, in your ideal world, who is the lead character? Um, I don't even necessarily know. You'd have to have like a definitive lead. I, I think the, essentially the rest of the cast with Roy as, as head coach following, so continuing Roy. to follow the team would would be good well so then the lead character's roy i guess so yeah like because if it's just because like i guess like the, one of the least interesting or or fun parts of the show was like just like the team antics like just like them joking around with each other that always like rang like just not terribly interesting and also just kind of like hollow but like that stuff if it if it just becomes that and like roy is there that's not a terribly interesting show so yeah, I mean, like, but if it's if it's just Roy and Beard and like team chit chat and stuff, and maybe some soccer thrown in, I kind of don't think that's that, that interesting. Because I like because just I, my thing is like, who, in Ten Lasso, who is who? Who were the second and third most interesting characters to you? I would say Roy, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, probably like Jamie. Hmm. Okay, I, I would have said Roy and Boss Lady. What's what's her name? Oh, yeah, she's good too. What, what's her name? Uh, Re- Rebecca's no. her character name. Yes, Rebecca. No, I I know her real name, Hannah Waddingham. Like I I know people's real name, but never their their show their their character name. But like it, it was those two, and I just don't feel like Roy has a relationship with her that's a that has anything to be explored. So I kind of don't really know where she would fit into that and she i think like had like she carried a lot of the show like and like a lot of the interplay between her and ted was actually some of the most interesting stuff like the the soccer part was always uh, tertiary um yeah i don't know anyway, but if you want if you want more of it i'm sure apple is very excited to make more of it and there was a tweet earlier today because twitter still works uh, apparently um do you have a link to this I it do, but that the, but that got that got deep. Well, so that's not. Really... But but it's still posted though. That's the thing. So if it's so the Apple TV official Twitter account, and they're paying for a gold check mark, um, has an image of Beard, Roy, and Nate, and apparently this is a still from like a, an existing episode. This was not. Well, this this is from the finale, one of the last shots of the finale. Oh, are they just staring up at the Believe poster? Is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. Um, in the in the text on it is smells like potential, and like there's no way that Apple didn't know. Like you're not still promoting a show that had its season finale a week ago with something as cryptic as this. I'm not saying like they're saying that like this means something's happening, but they have to know how that was going to be interpreted. I, I people 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 make mistakes. I. I don't know. I, the, the Hollywood Reporter is is pretty solid on this stuff and came out and was oh, like, oh no, totally. You know, this, you know, hearing this was just a mistake. Although you're, I think you do raise a good point, which is why why is this even still up? Well, yeah, but like, well, that's yeah, like you you delete it 
or like yeah. again like or you or you just post more evergreen stuff like if you just want people to like if because like apple tv like they're making more content but like i mean there's not as much as they're like they're not netflix they're not they're not churning out like four new series a week so like you still want to like make routine posts that says like hey ted lasso's in the catalog but this specific tweet and like that that you you, you can't not know that that's what people are going to think so but yeah it should, it should be deleted by now but it's not all right apple stuff let's do it yeah somehow somehow we've been recording for like 50 minutes <laughs> haven't gotten a because well, we talked yet, about because but... we because we talked about the important stuff because very little important stuff happened here. Mm, yeah, so cynical. Um, well, let's we're gonna breeze through some stuff. Okay, yeah. Right, well, can, I take, we... can, can I take the Mac stuff? Well, here. So let, let me kind of tee things up in the way sure. that um, Tim Cook did. Um, they, mm. uh, so this this was divided into um, sections on the Mac, which i.e. Mac hardware a section they refer to as software platforms, which I got excited for a minute when they introduced that, that they were going to make the change that kind of everybody, including myself, has kind of wanted them to make, which is instead of going OS by OS, you just talk about features that are shared amongst all of the operating systems. And then maybe you highlight a few things here and there that are OS specific, but no, they, they stuck to the similar formula, which continue to create some of the same confusion it's caused in years past, which we'll get to. Um, and those being iOS, iPadOS, macOS, a new category, which they called audio and home, and then watchOS. And then, of course, the last section, one more thing. So, yes, okay. you, you can you can take the, the Mac hardware if you'd like. Well, and real quick, so you said you have good notes on all this? I, I have uh, what I referred to before we started recording as extensive notes, yes. Okay, just because I'm I'm gonna forget something. You have something in there about adaptive audio on the AirPods. Is that in there? I I do have that. If, if, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. If, if not, yep. put that in there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So the so the most interesting part of this show, the only reason to tune in, is the Mac. Um, and I was so mad when you know. So what the thing that's the one more thing. I don't know why we're being cagey about it. When when the headset like CNBC sent out a push alert that said Apple released like its its first um like important new product in like over a decade, and I was like, how dare you? The Mac Studio came out. A year and a half ago, and that is the most important Mac pro- or Apple product that has come out in the last decade. How dare you? So, no, it's the Mac uh, three updates, and this was all covered like fairly quickly. Like I, I was, I was watching this while making dinner, and I was not giving it my full attention. But in fifteen minutes, they talked about the MacBook Air now comes in a fifteen-inch version um, at a very reasonable price point of twelve ninety-nine. Uh, it comes in four colors. It's an M two based product. It's the thinnest fifteen-inch computer made period um it gets 16 or 18 hours of battery life um and it seems like a terrific value if you if you if you don't really need the um what kind of screen is on the macbook pros it's it's not micro led right it has a nicer screen but it but it's definitely not oled macbook pro m2 the micro LED sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. It's it's got a nice screen. Um, so it doesn't have that. It doesn't have the SD card reader. You don't get. You can't have an M1 or a, one of, like the Max variant of the chipset in it. And like, there's limitations. But for like the vast majority of people, like I actually think this that 
I think 50, like 15 inch laptops are, are not personally for me, but the MacBook Air is one of the like it is it is the I can't think it it, it is the, the Piper Sonoma sparkling wine of of laptops. Like it it is the it is the like best value you can possibly get for a 13 or a 15 inch laptop. It compared to a Windows machine that probably comes littered with crapware and the fans spin up all the time and the battery lasts eight minutes. Like for that money, like that, that those are two insanely good computers and very few people actually need the pro. And that's, yeah, I'm, I'm I like personally not a product for me, but it's cool that it comes in a different screen size and that somebody who wants a larger screen doesn't have to get shoehorned into like a $2,500 computer in the 16 inch MacBook pro. And I'm not saying like that, that that's Apple, like leaving money on the table. Those are people that just would not have bought a Mac just because who's going to spend twice as much money as they were expecting just because they want a slightly larger screen. So no, so that's awesome. Yeah. I think, cool. I think the, the, the pricing, I think they nailed here. So they, um, lowered the price of the 13 inch MacBook air from a year ago by a hundred dollars. And so now the difference between the 13 inch entry level and the 15 inch is $200, which is, which is less than I would have guessed. And that, you know, that the price in the 15 inch only ends up being a hundred dollars more than what the 13 inch cost a year ago. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, the, the only other note I had here was the first time that they mentioned that this was the world's best 15 inch laptop. I was like, wait, what? Like kind of throwing the, the MacBook pro under the bus there, but I had forgotten that it's now a 16 inch laptop. So technically, mm-hmm. technically a statement they could make without, uh, <laughs> um, um, somehow trying to imply that an air was better than a, than a MacBook pro. So that, that threw me for a loop for about 10 seconds. And then I, I, I got there. Yeah. Uh, still, still a 1080p and, webcam, which, you know, I, bro, like com- compared, I, there's no compared more jokes to, to be do, made there, I guess. Well, no, I mean, do you, do you remember how, uh, uh, profoundly shitty the the camera on before like the camera that used to ship with even like the highest end Intel configurations and it's nothing to do with Intel processors but like on that laptop the the camera was a potato like it was so so bad so sure it's not 4K or anything like that but at least it's fine and because it's an Apple silicon based processor it's able to use it's uh, to repurpose some of the image pipeline processing nonsense that makes like smarter decisions with exposure or calibration. Like it, it does things to punch above its weight in terms of camera quality. It's still not good enough, but it used to be so bad that I, uh, that I don't complain too much about <laughs> uh, potato camera. Um, okay. So the other stuff, so the most important product Apple makes the Mac studio, it got updated with a, um, with, with M2 versions of everything. And like there's not actually a whole lot to to write about here like the product is basically exactly the same the benefits of the M2 are because it has like four extra cores it's 15 to 25% faster in certain applications sometimes and it has more neural engine cores which is non a non-factor for most people in applications but cool I, i'm very happy it was it was not an iMac Pro where they're just like hey we made it once and just we're going to let it just sit there forever. I'm happy it is a going concern in their lineup. And then do you have any, any actual like reaction or novel thoughts about the Mac pro? Because like this, this was 
weird. So the the after the whole can't innovate my ass thing, they re, they went hard in the other direction where they made the like ultra cheese grater, which had like the final generation of Intel Xeons that would ever be, would ever be in a Mac, and it had this crazy design, and it was very much a like the behemoth of a computer. It it, it was the Hummer EV of Macs, and then they did that again. It's like it's like everything's exactly the same, but it's basically a Mac Studio in the in a case that's four times bigger or like ten times bigger than it needs to be, and it has four or six PCI Express four uh, slots. And that's kind of what it is. Am I mistaken? You're not. They they basically did the thing that nobody thought they would do, which is just come out with a version of the Mac Studio with PCI e slots. And that that's that's really all they've all they've done here. I mean the one of the weirdest things about this product I think is that it's coming in exactly the same case as the most recent Intel Mac Pro, which was designed the way that it was because of the particular thermal requirements <laughs> exactly. of the Intel Xeon chips that was in that machine. And, you know, as evidenced by the fact that you can get the M2 Ultra in a Mac Studio, you don't need anywhere near this large of an enclosure or an enclosure of this style in order to support that that chip. And I mean, literally, you- uh, I heard, I think this was Marco who mentioned this, like the the wheels from the, the Intel Mac Pro work on this computer so like just to say that like this is literally exactly the same case and it's it's hilarious to look at the interior photos of this thing there's just there's so much empty space do you remember so let me send you a picture of something um do you remember when apple was switching to intel for the first time um i mean vaguely yeah so when they were doing that, they basically like because also when Apple was switching to Apple Silicon, they actually shipped people what was what was essentially a Mac Mini with like an iPad processor. It had like an A12Z in it. Yeah, right. So, and, but then you had to return that. But when they were doing the Intel transition, what they did was they sent people what was essentially like a Power Mac G5, but it just had like an Intel Pentium Four and like an Intel motherboard in it. And I just sent you a picture of like what the inside of that looked like. This is basically what they're doing, which is like they have a case that's like three times too big for what's actually in there. And that's just what it is. And like I, I can't complain or like because, again, I love I, I love the Mac so much. So I, I can't like shit on this, but like it is kind of lazy, but it kind of but also who's buying the Mac Pro like the Mac and also with pricing, like just the Mac Studio is a much better value. Well, so that, that was that was the other thing I was going to highlight here is that. Did, have you looked up what the exact price difference is for this the same spec um no. Mac Studio and the Mac Pro? No, I just looked up to make sure the Mac Studio wasn't like this generation like ten times cheaper than what I bought. No, but no, I, I didn't. I did not. What it, what is so? If you yeah, can, are they even if close? You, if you configure a M2 Ultra Mac Studio and a Mac Pro, you you can do this with the the base model Mac Pro compared to its equivalent on the Mac Studio. And I, I think this same price difference holds true kind of no matter what configuration you do between the two machines, if you keep them the same. $3,000. 
there's a $3,000 price difference to get, uh, what is it, seven PCIe slots. And the, the, the part that I didn't research before this, but uh, maybe maybe you <laughs> oh, know, is. um, isn't, isn't like modern, it, are PCIe slots still like way faster than like modern Thunderbolt ports? Not really, but th- there's a thing about like memory bandwidth consolidation or, or, or like just, it is, there's like a latency difference and, and it, there's a more stable connection and real-time connections depending on, like so certain applications do benefit from that so kind of but not really but three yeah three thousand dollars for a very 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 niche difference like i would you know i i know you and i aren't super plugged into to atp anymore but i i I have been listening to this episode in part because i really wanted to hear syracuse's thoughts on this mac pro and it, it, it was really interesting to hear him talk about it um like it, it, it's it's sort of it's sort of shocking how how little difference there is between the the Mac Studio and this machine, and what a crazy price difference there is between the two. And you know his his thought was that it really kind of seems like it means that there's kind of one or two possibilities for the Mac Pro here. One is that this machine was almost just put out as a way to show that the mac pro isn't necessary anymore and that this may end up being like one of the last versions of it because as it stands now it's it's just not there's there's really not a compelling enough difference between this and and the mac studio and there, there's just such mm-hmm. the, such a big price difference i don't want to or, option two or maybe they do apple still wants to do you know the crazy you know um like double ultra chip like the the quad chip that's been rumored off and on for a long time so that this machine like Syracuse had a really good phrase which is what's made the Mac Pro so special over the years is that it was unquestionably the best and most powered Mac like it could do it could do things performance wise that no other Mac could do and that's that's not really true with this Mac Pro. I mean, I, I guess if you want to get really technical, if you put some fancy like video capture card like in one of these PCIe slots, you know, I, I guess maybe you're getting some benefit there compared to a, a Mac Studio. But for 99.9% of use cases, you can get a Mac Studio that that is is for all intents and purposes exactly the same computer as this Mac Pro. So unless the plan is with like the M3 or M4 to come out with a chip that is exclusive to this machine and kind of better differentiates it from the Mac Studio, it's really hard to make the case that this machine should continue. Although Syracuse's other kind of interesting comment, which was good, which is that, you know, if if this machine is $3,000 more than its Mac Studio equivalent with very little difference. He, he kind of said he kind of shudders to think what the what the price difference will be if it actually has a <laughs> an SOC that's, you know, twice twice everything that a, uh, you know, you can get in the in the Mac Studio. You know, I'm happy he didn't mention or that there was the not the talk of like what I feel like might happen is that they realized that the Mac Studio is too good a value 
and they just discontinue it. And there's just no middle ground between the Mac Mini, the iMac, and the Mac Pro. Right. Because because the reason this computer doesn't make any sense is because the Mac Studio is so good. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and the cynical part of me says that they would be like, oh, well, let's just take out the thing that makes the more profitable thing look bad. Yeah. Oh, and you know, the, the other thing that we that we actually that I didn't mention here either is that, you know, one of the main things that people have used the PCIe slots on the Mac Pro in the past has been for external graphics cards. And, and you can't do that here. Um, <laughs> well, and just all like in the, the thing is like when they mentioned like the afterburner stuff, like so much of the stuff that you may have offloaded to, to expansion cards is stuff that is actually like built into the system on a chip architecture. Like the fact that it actually has like in, embedded h265 rendering capabilities on the card itself or on the chip itself so yeah yeah i um i'm surprised they came out with this machine i'm I'm surprised that this is what the mac pro with apple silicon is and i i really wonder if this is the machine they always planned to put out or if you know, the rumors about maybe the yields not being high enough on that quad chip or something were true. And so, you know, they just decided to to ship something like I, it'd be interesting to know what the, what the backstory is here, but I, I'd have a really hard time believing that, you know, when John Turnus teased this machine like over a year ago, that this is what they had in mind. Because this, did he this, tease anything, or did he just say our our transition is not complete until the Mac Pro happens or something? Well, I don't remember. I that. mean, that's that's basically that, yeah. Which is, you know, that's as <clears throat> that's as close as you're going to get Apple to. Well, actually, it is the second closest you're going to get Apple to admit that there are more products coming, but the first being the headset stuff. But we'll we'll get there. Yeah. But again, the Mac Studio doesn't have the most important question, which is. Literally on here, it says feeder wheels. And also an FAQ of, do you need wheels for your Mac Pro? No, you don't. It's just, it, uh, it's awesome. Like, same case fans, like, same same everything as the Intel machine for for a chip that, you know, requires a fraction of the cooling that a, that a Xeon did. And also, I do find it funny is that just kind of like in, going back to the picture I sent you of the the Pentium 4 inside a Power Mac casing. The only reason this doesn't look ridiculous is because they chose to make the um, the motherboard or the logic board all black. But but it, but it is still ridiculous because look at all that empty space. There's nothing on it. <laughs> well, yeah, but there's black, like though. I mean, like normally you look at a motherboard and it's it's full of transistors, right? And this well, thing also, is there's but, just like these huge empty spaces. Well, I mean, but also for like so I was comparing it to the configuration of the Mac Studio I have. So on the Mac Pro, the equivalent would be eighty two hundred dollars. And for that amount of money, like where are all the flashing LEDs? How do I know this is a powerful computer without the LEDs? So it's a, it's a why, why, great great point. Why does the RAM not blink at me? Great. Ryan. Yeah, Carlos, I have no I have no answers for you. Uh, and yes, this is a personal attack. Um, all right. Anyway, so that's the Mac. Uh, they covered that in record time. Like I honestly think it was like twelve or fifteen minutes. It was, yeah, I, the, they the, blew through that. The, the note that I had is that they got to the the fifteen inch MacBook Air within like seven minutes of the keynote starting. Yeah, and I, I think I, you're I, right. That whole section went by really fast. 
I so I fast forwarded a bunch. So I I fast forwarded the intro video. Was there anything notable there? The no, the intro video was just kind of a whatever, whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right, software platforms. So yeah. this was also kind of a snooze, or or just like it was fine, but like so iOS. So, actually, I'll, so I, I can, do, I'll I'll set this up. For yeah, you. yeah. I, I got yeah. the notes. Um. Thank so you. start starting with iOS. So. They, they've done this framing for, I think, a little while now. Like, they, they kind of come out and say, okay, you know, here's our, here's our focus areas for iOS this year. And so this year it was communication, sharing, intelligent input, and new experiences. And so under communication, they had some improvements to the phone app, FaceTime, and um, messages. And that was the that was the kind of communications section. So what did anything stand out to you there? I think I think that's probably what, what we should do here is maybe just, you know, each pick like one or two things oh, that sure. we thought was was interesting. Well I mean like that, well that was the thing is that like there's not much going on here whatsoever. Like they 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 funneled it down to hey the core apps like the the three phone FaceTime and messages are what's changing and all the stuff was fairly kind of actually not very meaningful. So yeah, can you can you run down what's different? Because like a lot of it's like hey like your contact card can be more personal and you can now do like what Android phones tried to make happen in 2013 where you like tap phones together and exchange contact cards. Like there's not a lot there. Um. Yeah, so I guess like maybe picking like um one thing from like each of these that, that that I liked. On the on the phone, I thought the the live voicemail thing was cool. Um like if you you know I'm, you you remember like way back to the original iPhone presentation, like visual voicemail was kind of a thing that that stood out. And It is. So I I'm actually very curious as to how so have you ever used a Google Pixel or familiar uh, with any of their features? No. Like they've done a lot of like wacky stuff where it will like, like you can have it try to call a restaurant for you. It'll do a whole bunch of weird stuff like with the phone. So I'm actually curious how this how this works and whether or not it involves the carrier. It, it like is it? It, the, it apparently does not. It's all yeah, because like on device. So basically, your phone answers every call now, exactly, a, yeah. but silently. Right. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. So apparently, like, so I mean, this feature obviously only works if your phone has strong cell coverage and is on like otherwise you just have traditional voicemail i would think so yeah Yeah. so that that, that's interesting it's kind of it's like very much do you watch seinfeld or it's kind of like just the old thing about like every sitcom in the 90s like where you you listen to somebody leaving a voicemail and then you decide whether you want to answer or not exactly and then that's the way they've implemented it where you can see the live transcript and then there's a button on the bottom to to quickly answer the call if you decide that it's it is a call that you want to you don't want to answer so I, i thought that was really neat um FaceTime, the only thing I caught, maybe there was some other stuff, was you can you can now leave basically a voicemail for unanswered FaceTime calls, which makes sense. That 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 always has been weird with FaceTime, where if somebody doesn't answer, it just kind of ends. Like there's no ability to to leave any sort of message or anything. Um, but neither of us is is our FaceTime users, so probably not much not much else to say there. Um. And then with messages, the two things that I that I liked were the check-in feature. 
So this is something, and and this, this I, I totally, this is a use case that I run into where, you know, someone asks me to like, this is like with my grandma, right? Like we're flying home. She's like, Hey, you know, send me a text when you get home. And you know, I, what I'll usually do is put the little OmniFocus reminder because otherwise I'm going to forget. Um, and this feature basically just automates that whole process where you can say, Hey, let basically let this person know when I, when I get to this location. And, you know, it'll automatically tell them if you're going to be delayed because of like transit delays or whatever. And then when you get home, it, it says, it automatically sends that person a message saying, you know, hey, the, the person person got home. So I thought that all looked really neat, really well implemented. Um, and I think you're probably going to be surprised to hear this, but um, I actually thought the, the the new stickers stuff looked good. But But let me let me explain. They've. They've tucked stickers and all the other messages apps away from the keyboard now, which is which is a really good change. So they're they're all kind of like <laughs> a level deeper within the messages app, which is which is totally where they should be. Um and, and the thing that is good about the stickers now is that they've turned all emoji into stickers, and you can use stickers to react to messages. So what that means now is you're not just limited to the like, four, what is it, four or five reactions to messages. You can now actually use, well, you can you technically use any sticker that you have. But like what I'm interested in is the ability to use any emoji. Because that is sort of like a little silly where like if you just want to send an emoji in response to a message, like that's a whole new line in your message thread. Whereas now you'll be able just to pin that as a reaction, which is, which is the right way to do it. So I thought that all looked, that looked good. Yeah. I mean, that I, it is long overdue. I'm surprised it took three years for them to kind of like, cause they, they tried to make iMessage apps a thing and I kind of just never stuck, never caught on, but they were always still, there was like just this extra row on top of the keyboard you ever wanted. The check-in thing that I, like, it's not a bad feature, but people on social media were were kind of saying that it's probably going to be, it it's going to be for for teenagers. It's going to be it's going to be a mess in terms of like helicopter parenting and stuff like that. But also going back to the thing of like I I don't know I always feel like the hey let me know when you get home thing. I've always thought that was like kind of like a, a uniquely personal thing that was actually very fun. So automating that feels I would still send an actual message. I don't know. Okay, that's fair. But everything, but everything else was fine. Like there, just there wasn't a whole lot going on here. I think like there were some share play enhancements, and I'm, and I'm not complaining. But like well, there were some that's, share that's, play that's, enhancements. That's, that's that's the next section. Well, yeah, but oh, because you're gonna lump that into iPad OS too, or no? So, or, so is there, or is there more with iOS? Yeah. So, so there was okay. Sorry, uh, sharing, which yeah, improvements to AirDrop. They've got they've got this new kind of like. NFC based gesture um, where they've got this new feature name drop great name Uh, um, where you can quickly share contact information with somebody. Uh, You can also now initiate share play with this same kind of NFC gesture thing. Just, you know, improvements to, to airdrop. You Um, love to have the most, the, the one really that I actually think is super interesting or nice which is that have you ever had the thing where you're starting uh, an airdrop uh, with somebody of a or with a file that is kind of large but you don't want to stay within Wi-Fi only range? I have. They didn't make they did make a way there's a new feature where they have kind of like this thing like where it temporary like it'll it'll go over the internet if you lose range. Right. 
Yeah. And that, and also, um, I don't know if there's just a thing on the Mac, but like, there's a thing where sometimes like if, if you pull focus on one of your devices away from airdrop, it'll just fail. It does look like airdrop is, is now like backgroundable in a way where you can still do other stuff on your device and it won't like stop doing what it's supposed to do. Yep. And that looks, that looks great. Yep. Um, the intelligent input section was essentially improvements to autocorrect and dictation. That's about, about mm-hmm. all I have to say there. Mm-hmm. Um, seem, seem long, long overdue improvements seems to be kind of tapping into the kind of whole AI thing. Like they, they used to the phrase transformer to, for, to describe both autocorrect the, with their transformer language model and dictation, which they described as a transformer speech model, and apparently the T in chat GPT is for transformer, which I did not know. So seems to be kind of tapping into that stuff in a very Apple-y way. And if, if autocorrect mm-hmm. and dictation are truly better, then that's good. Um, and then the new experiences section, there were two. There was the journaling app, which which they really focused on as being a way to kind of practice showing gratitude, which is which is a thing that that you know people people do and seems to be really helpful for a lot of people. So that's that's neat. And standby, which essentially is kind of like the nightstand mode that's on Apple Watch, but for iPhone. And that was iOS. Yeah. Neat. Um. I did kind of like the uh do they call did they call it a thing where like you can kind of have like your phone be like a little like widget thingy like if it's like at your desk on a MagSafe that's, thing that's stamp standby was the name of that yeah oh so but so but it's you but it's different than like the night clock mode though so standby right? has a basically nightstand mode but it also has other modes where it can use widgets and be like a Got kitchen it. countery thing and it it has this oh, feature that- where I guess every MagSafe connector has like a, a unique ID that it shares with the phone. So you can actually have standby configurations that are, you know, like MagSafe charger specific. So if you've got like one in the kitchen and then one in your nightstand, it'll remember what your particular configuration was for those two locations. Yeah. Do you have anything else for iOS? They yeah you know, they ran through a couple of other stuff like they're they're changing the keyword for the voice assistant from hey dingus to just dingus. There's offline maps and maps now, and then the, the part actually I probably buried the the lead here. Um, there's going to be a change in the Photos app to recognize your pet now. Well, they mentioned that that your dog is part of your family, and we're going to acknowledge that or something yeah pretty good um uh the, the only other thing and you'll probably maybe maybe this is something that it was mostly covered in the ipad os section but uh, uh widgets are going to have like much richer capabilities like where well, you actually do stuff with that doesn't dump you into the app or i couldn't is, tell if that was ipad only i couldn't, couldn't well, tell see now, now you're stepping on on my my <laughs> thing here um the, when i you know made the reference a little while ago to the order that they continue to do the presentation where They've got all these features that are actually shared amongst all the different OSs, but there's a specific OS they want to highlight that feature in, which then leads them to do the thing where they're like, oh, and yeah, by the way, the the thing that we just told you about, but didn't tell you about this specific feature in, this is also available there. Um, 
interactive widgets were like that with iPadOS, where I kind of left the keynote thinking like those were exclusive to iPad. And I thought, well, you know, yeah, I guess like bigger screen size, like maybe, maybe that makes sense. But no, interactive widgets are like totally a thing on iOS 2, which I don't know if they said in the keynote and I just missed or if that was just something that came out after. But in any case, totally an example of a feature that they could have talked about when they were going through iOS, but they chose to, to highlight, it, highlight it in um, iPadOS. And then yeah, um, iPadOS, you know, the health app now, finally, they spent a lot of time talking about better PDF support, and they brought over, like, all the custom lock screen stuff and the, the live activity <laughs> stuff, at least as far as it goes on the lock screen, from, from the iPhone last year uh, to the iPad now. Cool. Um, Is that it for iPad? That's it for iPad. Um so next up was oh. Mac OS Sonoma. Oh. OS ten the Barlow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so with this one, not a ton happening here. You can have so a few things. So you can have um is it, is it called control center on on the thing? But like on the Mac, like you you had kind of like the Windowsy thing where you have like this like little right sidebar it, with widgets. It, you can yeah. now drag those onto the desktop proper. There are now some like richer screensaver slash wallpaper stuff. So you can see the rolling hills of Sonoma County on, on your desktop. Um, what were the other highlights? So on the Mac, um, I thought the video conferencing stuff looked kind of nice. Um, I, and I, yeah. I initially interpreted that stuff as just being like FaceTime features. So I, I was only kind of half paying attention. No, but then they links in the Zoom and Teams. Yeah, they highlighted that it works with with other third party video conferencing apps, and so they they've got this stuff where they're doing like I think they refer to it as like a better self overlay. So like as you're presenting materials, they can, they can now do this thing where you can almost like it's almost like you're you know standing in front of like a projector screen in person somewhere yeah. where you've got like the materials like, kind of behind you. Yeah, um, like your own personal keynote mode, which I thought was like super cool, and if it actually works as well as it suggests, that I think actually that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought that was good. I mean, they also highlighted some like goofy looking reactions stuff, um, but still, I mean, I, technically, I, I thought all that stuff looked neat, and I you know was impressed by the fact that this was not just FaceTime stuff. Like this is stuff that's actually into the OS and is going to hook into the video conferencing apps that people actually use. So that's good. So here's one that I don't have a lot of clarity on, but I think might be a game changer is so going back to the widgets thing, you can access iPhone widgets on your Mac. And there are frequently times when I will have like, I'm because like, again, I love the Mac. It's, it's like the device I'm using most if I'm not like mobile. I would love to be able to like have like a little hue widget that's on my phone, but it's on my Mac. And that is a very, very, very interesting feature. Like I, I don't use widgets at all on the Mac right now, but if that feature works the way that I'm exp- like, if, if the app developer doesn't have to do anything to allow me to like interact with a widget that is on my phone, that's nearby and be able to like start the air conditioning in my car or turn on the lights or do something that is very cool. 
It is. And the thing that I wrote down here um, when this was showed during the presentation is that Craig highlighted the Lucid um, w- widget, <laughs> which I, I, I did, didn't know what to make of that. Thought that was an yeah. interesting choice. Well, he doesn't want to highlight a bad man. Hate the man. Um, um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm scrolling through the OS X Sonoma preview. Um, a lot, lot, of, lot of gaming stuff. You know, they had Hideo Kojima come out and, and announce that one of his previous games was coming to the Mac and that future games are, are coming to the Mac. They've got this this thing that's supposed to make um, porting Windows games over to the Mac easier. Um, they've got game mode, which which prioritizes CPU and GPU resources um, to your game. Um, as I, I didn't know this until I heard, I think it was Jason Sell talking about this, which is that the way that the Mac currently works is if you run a game, even like in full screen mode, like it has no concept of prioritizing like that as the thing you want to be doing. So if you've got like a bunch of other windows open that, that are like doing stuff, like <laughs> your Mac just gives like equal preference to all that stuff, which is yeah. a, a, good, a good summary of um, gaming on the Mac. Uh, but they they are seemingly fixing that here with um, macOS Sonoma. So you know, we'll we'll see. Um, oh, <laughs> there was another another thing that I wrote down, which which I thought was a little funny. Is is Craig described gaming as quote a space where so much action is happening, which I just felt like was really a a, a phrase spoken by somebody who were probably probably isn't super plugged into gaming well yeah and i feel you craig <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it, it is it is a waste of time like again like i get it like they, it's where they can talk about metal and stuff like that but i yeah but but yeah. you know i actually like you know snarkiness aside I actually i thought i thought some of that stuff some of that stuff looked good but i mean you know, so, we'll, we'll see what the adoption so, is there so i mean I, so i fast forwarded all the gaming stuff on the mac or like in that section oddly for the stuff we're about to get to almost was unless i also accidentally fast forward some stuff almost no discussion of gaming in that section in the Accurate. in the headset stuff oh, we'll, we'll, we'll get there we'll get okay there. um so yeah sorry one what there was one last thing on the mac side which i scrolled past damn it um Oh, one thing that's getting Sherlock this year, which I I don't mind at all, but actually I think it's kind of a useful feature, is that uh, Safari will now have a a way to make like web apps, like actual apps, or like you can now make like single instance Safari windows for stuff that lives in the browser. Would be a very useful feature. There are third party apps that do that all the time, and they a lot of them just don't do it as well as I assume like the native system would. Yeah, and I I do that with Chrome on the Mac, and it, it works okay. Um. But yeah, I, I assume that the Safari implementation would be would be even a bit better. Um, so with, with home okay. audio and home, the only so there was there was some TVOS stuff, there was some, like some CarPlay stuff, there was some AirPlay stuff, um, like AirPlay and hotels and some other things. But the the, the one thing I so guess bef- I would before you get to the adaptive. So the only thing that I think was interesting in any part of that was that um, again something that you keep reminding me of that I I do I do not believe actually exists. Apparently, there's control center or like user profile switching on TVOS. 
I've never been able to remember the shortcut to it, but apparently it exists. Uh, the one nice thing is on tvOS, they are going to make kind of like a little button at the top that allows you to actually access that stuff without having to know some funky remote keyboard combo. Yeah, that that looked good. Yeah. Um, but adaptive audio, adaptive audio. So this, so AirPods fall into kind of this new audio and home category. And the idea here with adaptive audio is that you know, and and I I do this all the time. Like if you're out and about, um, you know, depending on what your ambient environment is you you kind of manually switch between transparency and noise cancellation but the idea with adaptive audio is that the airpods will now attempt to do that automatically so if if it if they sense that you're in an environment where you'd want transparency on that's the mode it'll be in but then if you're in a situation where it thinks that noise canceling is what you'd want it it'll just kind of automatically switch over to that and it, you know, they they also demoed a couple of really kind of neat things where if you're in noise cancellation mode, but it senses that you're starting a conversation with someone, it'll switch over to uh, transparency, and it'll it'll also even like lower the volume if you're listening to to music. Like you know, all that stuff looked really cool. I mean, we'll we'll see what it's like in practice. I mean, one thing that makes me a little skeptical of this is is you know something that I have in the second gen AirPods Pro that I have is is adaptive transparency mode, and I I I can't really say I ever notice it doing a ton there, but but I, I am I am really curious to try this out. Yeah, I kind of already thought this was a feature. I, I, I like wasn't that exclusive the AirPods Pro two? Well, was that they would kind of like do much more aggressive and like smart filtration of X. Like it's not a bad analogy, but this this is sort of that taken to the next level, which is that because what the the feature you're describing is a is a thing all within transparency mode. This now is actually kind of switching between the two modes altogether. But but you're right that the concept is similar. So that 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 seemed extremely interesting. Well, so the, and the thing with this is, and they didn't really make it clear, it's AirPod Pro to exclusive, correct? Like that's uh, they, the only product they, they currently make that they, supports it. They, yeah, they didn't make that clear in the presentation, but that was something that came out afterwards. Yeah, they need to make Beats Fit Pro too. So because that is the one thing, even like before this feature, the um like external noise reduction in transparency mode that allows you to hear things, but will like avoid like ear piercing sirens and stuff um that is a feature that yeah that please 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 um, yeah, i think that and, was it for good yeah the only other thing they they mentioned with airpods is um improved device switching which as someone who regularly switches their airpods from apple device to apple device throughout the day i i would love if that actually worked better so yes please yeah um so then watchOS. So th- this this um this part of the presentation was a little bit of a roller coaster. I was excited for it coming into it given all the rumors. I got really excited when friend of the show Kevin Lynch was the presenter. It was good to see him. I'm glad they gave him a break from his Apple car management duties to come out and do this. Yeah, um, he described what he was about to present as a energizing new approach to to watchOS. But I, I don't know. I don't I don't I'm still don't quite know what to make of this. I, I wouldn't really describe it as like a total 
rethink of watch os like to me it almost like if i had to really simplify it almost looked like apple instead of using a watch face with a bunch of complications on it now basically just wants you to use like a simplified watch face with the ability to then quickly access widgets which are like kind of like complications but with more information well no it's it's the siri watch face right yeah but except now it allegedly works like that was always the thing and that and that's the one thing like i i was really bummed about when like apple went like hey we made watch kit let's make full-fledged apps and they they got rid of like the glances thing and i think in watch os 7 like back when you used to be like playing audio on your phone or something they used to have this thing where like where you normally would see the notification dot there used to be like a persistent now playing dot which allowed you to like easily be a remote for your phone they got rid of that like two years ago that's that's always bugged me like no like if, if they're able to make like uh if they're able to successfully predict and um surface the widgets slash glances slash notifications that you actually want in kind of like a series like if the siri watch face actually worked like i think that's pretty good because otherwise they would have to just like entirely go back to like because that's the thing where like i feel like nerds like us maybe would want glances back because you get to have it customized exactly the way that you want and it's always predictable and i feel like maybe your hesitation here is that you don't trust sight unseen that it's actually going to pick the right thing fair um i i guess that's part of it but also even putting that part aside i guess i just need to see in practice like how much better is it to instead of having a watch face with complications on it to instead have that information be be available in this widget view because it seems like it's it's giving me more access to more information compared to a complication but there but there is a step to get to that information which isn't the case with complications and like there were also some design decisions too which again i need kind of need to see in practice where like they even highlighted this as a use case which was kind of one of the rumors like around like timers right like and i have this like where i've got the timer complication on my watch face but like you know 90 95 percent of the day it's not doing anything but it's really useful to have when i am actually using it this doesn't quite do the thing that you want it to where if you set a timer you'd ideally want to just have that then on your watch face this instead if you have an active timer like you can scroll i think it's like up on the digital crown instead of down and it'll it'll be kind of like in this quick access area which again like i i don't know like having that information be sort of like one layer below your watch face like i i i need i need to use that to see if it's actually better yeah i am I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit like benefit of the doubt like i i it's been kind of stale and there have been like some opportunities there so i can't i interesting like i'm i'm willing to give it a shot because i've always been kind of intrigued by the siri watch face or kind of the idea to like intelligently surface the stuff that you actually need because like the, like specifically for the timer example that is one thing where i actually feel like i wouldn't like that because i'm someone who uses timers a lot and I don't actually care. For me, it's not like wanting to know how long is on the timer. It's for the ability to start a timer without using my voice by always tapping the lower right of my watch. 
Like I don't ever want to, I don't ever want to talk to my watch unless I'm dictating a text message and that's pretty rare. So like it being like, that's one thing about like the dynamic island that I hate is that if you ever set a timer on your phone, like it just really wants you to know how much time is left on that timer. And I, I don't care about that. It's the ease of like setting one. So I don't know, like they went really complication heavy for a while and they like just through the entirety of the watch, like life, st- life system, they went from glances to, Hey, let's like, or first they started with, Hey, your watch does absolutely everything. Let's make some apps. Let's have Instagram be like the full fucking Instagram experience on your watch. And then people realized, Oh no, we hate that. And then people made watch apps and they were like notification heavy. And now even Apple themselves is saying, Oh, it kind of turns out that literally you don't really need a watch app. You can basically just have rich notifications and we're going to try to make the watch be something that you interact with, like with like your actual finger, like as little as possible, which is probably an improvement. But but I but I do kind of share your trepidation. But I am kind of, I'm very willing to take that ride because I find the the like prop yeah like I find the watch extremely valuable to me, and I and I do trust what they would do with it. Yeah, we'll see. And and, and it's our boy Kevin. That's right. And is he still in the car project? I I haven't heard him being pulled off of it. So as far as I yeah. know. All right. So man, one so, one, uh, one more you, thing. Okay, so you're you're gonna leave this, but I I did want to break this up into a few things because I'm I don't have a lot to say about it. It's I kind of like I feel like the way they presented it, the way they're suggesting people are going to use it, the software, the hardware, and the price are basically ways to frame it up. But when this was being presented, holy shit, did they give Tim Cook either so much coffee or they gave him like eight take eight thousand takes to do this? He was he he was very intense. In talking about this product, yeah. So the so there a couple of things really struck me about the way that this product was was framed. So they 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 had this phrase that the Apple Vision Pro, which which pretty good name in in retrospect, like Vision Pro and Vision OS, super obvious like w- way more of an apple name than reality pro and reality os or like xr os so in, in hindsight yeah, yeah that was going to be the name um they had this phrase that it's the first apple product that you look through not at which i thought was was kind of interesting and very very carefully framed as a augmented reality device and not a virtual reality device i mean they they showed some uses where it 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 essentially becomes a vr device but very much from like the the first you know kind of moment they showed it very much a device framed as being something that takes the you know the actual you know space that you're in and layering on top digital information onto it so you know bit of a bit of a different bit of a different take than than some of the other you know headset stuff which had been you know way more vr focused with sort of ar stuff as kind of secondary this is very i think clearly the other way around i mean we'll we'll get a lot more into this maybe but you know the 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 very first product shot that they showed at the very end of that they briefly highlighted the the external display where you know you could see the person's eyes 
that, that I, I found that to be really jarring. And my, my thought was like, oh, wow, those rumors were, were true. And I guess I felt a little bit better about it after they showed it. Like, so the, the feature is called Eyesight, and they, they demoed kind of how that works. But I don't know. I, I still leaving that presentation. That that part of it, like I, I see what they're doing. I think the intentions there are good. But I don't know, man. It, it's it's it just it just looks kind of weird. Yeah. So let's 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 maybe save that for the end a little bit because like the way the way that they positioned it is a few. It, it's it's intense. So my, my, I guess I, I, what I want to know is what you thought of the way, not that they, how they framed, like how the product would be used, but the importance and oh yeah, I, I wrote, revolutionary. I wrote, this, I wrote this down. Yeah. So they like they, so like when they were teeing it up, like they were talking about like this is not. Like I feel like the iPhone had less grandiosity or. Like game changeriness, it built into the well, framing well, that's, of it. I think that's why that's why they'll never be, or that's in part why they'll never be another iPhone keynote is because the iPhone keynote keynote was so organic and sort of like natural because it 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 wasn't trying to be the iPhone keynote because that that hadn't existed before. Like it was it was it was its own thing it had never had never happened before there was nothing to try and emulate now anytime apple announces some new big product category kind of the standard that it's being held against fairly or not and the and the kind of thing that apple would like it to be would be the next iphone event so i think you're exactly right where this felt like apple really wanted this to be looked back on as an iPhone-esque like presentation and or, and or, maybe tried a little bit too hard to to make it that or even or even the internet like the introduction of the Mac like they're they're not even saying like hey this is a better version of something that exists like which the iPhone was like they're acting like no computing is this like computing what you thought you knew about how computers work doesn't yeah. exist anymore. So, so the this phrase thing, the the phrase that they used was in the same way the Mac introduced us to the personal computer, iPhone introduced us to mobile computing, Apple Vision introduces us to spatial computing. Yeah. So, it, it was it, it was a lot. So basically, the gist. So again, going to like to the, the way that I've kind of broken this down. Like, and again, you're you're going to be the the details guy here, but I I want to maybe try to keep it this in a big picture kind of way. Like the pre the presentation that they made was basically them like everybody inside this like VR universe. You have all of these ultra rich people. Like it was just like, but like the and and the only reason I bring that up is because every example of like the use case of how they showed it was people in really 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 expansive like literal environments. Like just want like walking like either taking pictures like and we'll get to space is it called spatial photos like living their world through this headset in what's already like a pretty nice place where you could just actually have like an actual office so that's the part where a lot of it felt not inorganic is not the 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 way to frame but i guess like did any of the use cases or like virtual like because 
the easiest way to, to I'm, I'm messing this up, but like, but the easiest way to compare this is like every time they show like a home kit demo, you can imagine that even if you're somebody who lives like in an apartment as that being like a place you live and that's a way that you'd interact with that product. I guess did any of the like examples of people of like the environment in which people use the headset, did any of those actually ring true to you? I I thought maybe the like the TV and moving movie watching stuff. Yeah, but like but there was that one lady like in this like oh like probably like forty million dollar like New York apartment dressed like she was going to the Met Gala, just like sitting on her couch like pinching stuff around. Like I just none of it felt like this isn't a product for real people. So that's the part where those demos felt strange because i guess like to to bottom line it or like what what is this product so apple announced a pair of ski goggles is what it looks like Like it's a, if ski if if like ski goggles met the apple watch and cost thirty five hundred dollars and ran ipad os that is what they announced is that lacking a lot of detail but is that mostly right it's yeah that's mostly right and that's fine and interesting but Basically, they're just saying that that's gonna ever, nobody's gonna want to use a real computer anymore or their phone because there's this thing that's just so profoundly immersive that this is the only way that you're gonna want to interact with technology now. Well, I mean, I, this yeah, is that. this this is not you know this is not an original take by any means, but clearly the idea here is that. Apple thinks there is at least the possibility that some sort of augmented reality device will become the successor to the smartphone. Like there will be a day where instead of buying a new iPhone, you buy some new augmented reality device, a pair of glasses, like whatever that ends up being. And I mean, this device is clearly, clearly not that like this is not the thing that you'll buy instead of an iphone but apple thinks that this is maybe the product category that's going to replace the iphone someday and so you know this is their this is their first attempt at it and you know similar to how you look back at the first iphone or you look back at the first apple watch and you know compared to what we have today they look completely archaic and silly i think the idea would be that 10 years from now we look back at this thing and go oh yeah like remember remember apple's first ar device that thing was goofy sure i would i would leave the iphone out of that because i feel like the iphone was immediately used like just like the iphone like in in the apple watch to a much greater extent the, the iphone had more immediate utility in the apple watch took a while it took it took a few years to kind of figure out what oh. it should be oh no question like, this this device is earlier than than the iphone for, like the, for the, sure I, yeah like the like the difference between the original iphone and like the iphone 5s which was kind of like the first perfect iphone for its like contemporary nature it, it, it took a while but the iphone one even though it was rough around the edges and was missing some key features was an incredibly good phone for that you could live in the world with whereas like this like to go back to like the use cases that they pitched it as like if you boarded a plane 
and saw somebody wearing this, what would you think? Like who the day they showed that image multiple times of somebody tuning out the entire world around them and wearing this $3,500 face computer on a plane like that. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine a world where you're in, in an office and somebody is walking around and is wearing these ski goggles and they rotate the digital crown so that they can acknowledge your presence and you hand them a thing. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that that's why I thought the eyesight stuff was so just kind of weird and goofy where like, sure. Like the, the, the other it, person being able to see some you know, replica of your eyes. Sure. Probably it's better less, than looking into a blank screen, yeah. but it still doesn't get around the fact that you're casually talking to somebody with this big thing strapped on your face um, so here, here's here's the thing for me so it's, it's it's like if somebody if you're talking to somebody and they don't take out their airpods times a million right like if if that were ever to become a case where let's pretend like my boss was like would not take off their fucking four thousand dollar face computer to acknowledge me it's the same thing of like if somebody's at a spatial, grocery store spatial computer whatever but like <laughs> like it's just like i get so mad whenever somebody is like and this happens in san francisco all the time where they're wearing like their AirPods Max and they will not take off. Like it's not even AirPods. Like they're like wearing a full like head headphones and will not take it off to interact with like a cashier or something. I hate that person so much. So I can't imagine somebody thinking that like it's oh that like or where we're going to reach like some type of societal norm where wearing this thing is going to be like acceptable to interact with people and not just take it off for a minute to deal with the human in front of you. I, those were the things that I like not even talking about how effectively this works as a computing device or any of that. They, the, there were some really preposterous ways that it was presented that I just do not resonate at all. But in terms of the software and like what it can actually do, what did you think? Well, so they, they, the other kind of framing device that they, they used was the Mac had the mouse, the iPod had the click wheel, the iPhone had multi-touch, and now this device has hand, eye, and voice control. So they, kind of, they say that you know, Apple kind of has this history of introducing these new input methods and this device is kind of the next the next iteration of that and i think they they use the phrase something to the effect of it's as if your mind is controlling the experience and that the early the early reviews from people have seemed to indicate that that stuff all isn't totally perfect but but does does work pretty darn well um I was initially a little skeptical about that, probably in the same way I was skeptical as a like touch keyboard on the original iPhone. But I get the very, very early kind of impressions of that seemed seemed pretty positive. Um. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess like breaking it up into experiences, they showed like you know work stuff. So basically, using this device as like you know. A monitor for your Mac, essentially. Um, I kind of have a hard time envisioning <laughs> that being something I would want, but it, I, kind of, kind of interesting. You know, they demoed um, 
some video conferencing use cases. That part of the demo I thought was kind of weird where, you know, they showed FaceTime being used, but they <laughs> they didn't show like what you would look like to other people. And it seemed like maybe they just weren't going to address that. But then later in the presentation, they showed off what they're calling the the digital persona feature where the device like scans your face and then reading your face gestures with the device on tries to create a like 3D rendered version of you to, to the people who you're then FaceTiming with. Um, kudos, kudos to German, you know, similar to the external display. Like he, he, he nailed, nailed that. Um, I was actually just looking on the vision pro website. Um, and interestingly, the digital persona stuff is not shown at all. So I, I, that, that part looked like it was definitely still kind of in, in the oven. And I, I think them not featuring on the website is kind of further indication that that feature is is still probably a work in progress. Which I mean, that that's that's pretty impressive technology. So I mean, sure, like that that probably is does need does need a little bit um, more work. Um, but I don't know. Did, did any of this? None of this resonated with you. The the movie watching stuff. None of none of that connected with you. So I have never, ever used any type of VR device that wasn't, um, like one of like the crappy one, like the, like, do you remember like Google cardboard? <laughs> yeah. Like that's the, that. And also I think there was a thing called like the Samsung galaxy gear or something. Um, but I've, I've never used a HTC Vive or a PlayStation VR or, a, a, um, a Facebook quest or whatever. So I, but I, I I don't I can't imagine any situation other than video games and maybe watching a movie where the disconnection with your actual world that you feel improves is, is a better experience or offers enough value to make the trade offs worth it. Like jo, uh, Joanne, uh, what's what's her name? Joanna Stern. Like had a had one with like the fifteen minute hands on demos with Apple, and and she mentioned that like hey like actually like it feels like a big out like it it feels like it has the fit and finish of an Apple product, but after like twenty minutes you could feel it being kind of heavy on your face even without the battery, and it was um like that it it got warm where you could kind of feel that where I just can't think that as a productivity device or anything like that that this is going to be something that's that useful or transformative. Like it, it's just like the, the lens that I see this through is the software and the immersive experiences that it is create uh, that it is suggested to create. Because again, we haven't talked about this thing doesn't come out until next year. Like this is being announced way, way, way in advance for, I'm not entirely sure why. Well, and, you know, the other thing that's different about this introduction than any other Apple product demonstration is like, it's not like we're just looking at a screen share of an iPhone or an iPad or an Apple Watch. Like this, every, everything that we saw in the demo is just sort of it, it basically concept art because there's not really oh, like, there's yeah. not really a way to to, sh- to show this thing. 
So yeah, and 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 that's the part about the environments that that bugged me so much is is this that this isn't realistic. Like, I mean, yeah, that 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 did not make any sense. But like, yeah, all the use cases they're showing just don't really seem to make that much sense because like because here's the the thing is if you look at everything they showed when they show it to you you're not really being shown that conceptually like how this actually implements itself in real life is that you are wearing like snowboarding gear on your face like if this was like a pretend it's 15 years in the future and also 10 years in the past like that this was like google glass but actually it works like the software and the simulated like in front of you like this is the real world and you now can have like an ipad on your face that you control like precisely with your like that's amazing but that's not what this is it's a very isolating device that just lives on your head like it, it it would be much more compelling and interesting if it was in a product that we're going to see in five to 10 years when it's a purely AR device. That's the thing where like, cause I'm, cause I'm looking at this thing. Cause I wanted, I, so I went back to the, what was it called? What's this thing called? Vision pro. Like I wanted to see the thing cause, uh, cause we're going to talk about the photography element about it. Cause I, I was confused about that when they announced it and everything. So I'll, I'll send you a, a link. So with this one, like every time they show something, they show again these very expensive, elaborate houses. But like you're in this thing where you see the real world, but like you're somebody who's walking around with this gigantic thing on your head with a cable to a battery pack in your pocket. But then if you just think about this thing just being glasses on your face, where this is just an overlaid element to the real world, that's amazing. Like this stuff is neat, but. I I I don't. Did you read or see the uh, Ben Thompson thing today? No. He on Sachery had like a very well reasoned piece, but he he was very 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 um pro this product, and and I and I appreciate the people who are very like cause, like I'm I'm a cynic, and I frequently start from a position of I don't want to like this, and I understand that's a personality flaw, but like. It, I can't get over how profoundly isolating I imagine a technology like this is. And as somebody who is probably not going to buy one, like I, or in a world where the cost means very few people are going to have these, like I can't imagine anybody interacting with anyone in the real world or in their home. Like pretend this comes out and it's amazing and you somebody shows up at your house with a $3,500 gift card and they're like, thank you. Thank you for saving my dog from a burning building. And you buy this. Are you going to interact with your family through like through a pair of ski goggles? So I, I will f- fully admit to not really thinking about that during the presentation, but in, in thinking about this a little bit more, after the fact, I th- that thought did kind of occur to me is is as you know someone who's just not a single person living alone and is living with a family. Like, what would be the context to use this device outside of 
watching a movie where like you and your partner each have one of these things. So now you're $7,000 into the Apple vision pro experience. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think you're, you're right to, to bring that up. Like, and that's the part where, so again, going back to the video that I sent you and you'll put a link or, or well, no, people can just scroll down on the vision pro thing, but they, cause they, they, they cut out a little chunk of the keynote where, what is it called? Spatial photos, 3D photos? What's it called? Uh, spatial, spatial videos. Where I can't even tell what this is. Is it actually 3D photography or is it basically just like cinematic mode on the iPhone? It, it's, three, it's 3D, 3D photography. But, but what does that mean? Uh, that, you'll be able to see, that you'll be able to see the video in 3D when viewing it through the, the Vision Pro. But what's 3D? why what do you mean what what you never, how, you never, how never, have you never what, heard of 3d what, before but what what well no the world's 3d what element of the subject that you're what what is 3d about this i guess like because this this part that i was like okay this is kind of neat somehow like maybe it's doing because you know how like the thing like right now my iphone lock screen is a picture of arches national park and it does the thing where it identifies uh like it does some stuff where it knows like hey this is a thing that i can put the time behind like is it just that or like because you're these photos these spatial photos or 3d photos can only be taken with the headset right currently but it seems pretty obvious that this is okay. coming but, to an iphone at some point but but, yeah. but 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 in this example where this man is on his couch in his very expensive house and he's watching his kids in a park play like patty cake or whatever and you it, it's it's overlooking the fact that he would have recorded this by being in a public park in daytime with a face computer and not actually interacting with the world around. that's the part like it, that's what i keep getting hung up on is do we really envision a world where somebody is living their actual life and again it's an apple demo so they're living a very fulfilled social life through this thing and everybody who nobody in the video nobody in the video that's the part that else kills me nobody in these videos other than the person who's experiencing it has one of these so you're just the one person isolated from everything else and everybody just has to pretend life's normal because you're i I, I, that's the part i can't get behind i well so i do think it's possible that the next iphone has the ability to capture these 3d videos and that that becomes the way that you that you're meant to capture these and that you technically maybe could still do it with the headset but that but that's like not what anybody's going to do but that they they needed something to show for now so i that that would be my guess as to as to where this is going because but just as as a broader critique of the like that that is my central critique of the product is that you're banking on the fact that everybody is just going to think it's okay that you have decided to opt out of living as a person like it, it's the same thing of like when like voice assistants have been designed for 30 year old 30 year old men that live alone because the people who are designing the product don't think that of how people actually live or how like this doesn't this doesn't scale 
to the point where like, again, you're, you're a tech forward person, but can you imagine yourself in a situation where anybody says other than, Oh, well, dad's using the VR right now. And he's in the other room. Like you can, would you feel comfortable interacting with family or friends through this product? No, no. That's, that's the killer. That's, that's, that's what kills it as anything other than a, I'm watching a movie type thing or I'm playing a game. Like that's where the kind of the niche of like PlayStation VR has made sense to me is that sure. It's a more immersive experience for a particular type of entertainment consumption. But like, if we're all just gonna think that like I, 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 uh, and and I'm trying to like, because I understand this is a stopgap product. Like this is not the product they actually want to make. They're making the best thing of a thing that, many other people have tried to make and they've made pretty crappy versions of. And this is probably the best one of any of those. But it's still not going to be the thing that people want to use. Like once this reaches the logical conclusion of it's just glasses on your face, this will all work. And I guess maybe thank you to the early adopters that helped curate that and bought this thing. But other than like some individual that uses this on their own and lives alone or silos time away to experience this on their own i don't think this is going to get used broadly at all yeah i think i think you're right um and also it's thirty five hundred dollars yeah so Um, that was the thing so that that, like yeah i've heard very little discussion of the price wasn't the thing that like app like Apple was allegedly like seeding uh, stories? People being like, "Hey, let's overquote the price. Let's make sure we kind of like that this isn't a surprise." And it's five hundred dollars more than people were fearing as the worst case scenario. That's mm-hmm. the part that kind of killed me. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess it's getting very very late. Two. Two. Um, Sorry. <laughs> two. Two last things. They they did multiple times during the presentation use phrases like beginning of a journey this is just the beginning which which is actually a little more like on the nose than i thought they would be in this presentation referencing the fact that this is a new product category this is not really the thing that you know is going to be the 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 thing that you remember this um new product category by other than this this one being the first one like there's there's more there's more on the way so i I did think that was interesting um and then also the disney demo i know you hated it i expected you to hate it that's fine well no i didn't i didn't hate it well i okay sorry tell tell me your thing and then i'll say the thing i i that was the one part of the presentation where i'm like okay yeah that that's that's pretty cool Okay, tell me what was cool about it. I I thought, well, I mean the the Star the Star Wars stuff, like the fact that you could be watching an episode of The Mandalorian while it looking like you were sitting in, you know, or sitting on Tatooine, like that, you know, that was pretty pretty neat. Um, but you know, I mean, uh-huh. I I take everything you said in a minute ago, you know, to to you know to heart, which is like, well, when when would you actually ever yeah. use it for that? Like, I I totally get that, but it yeah. it made for a fun demo daddy's in the other room watching a star war don't bother him um yeah so this that that so that i actually didn't hate that part 
I just mostly hate the Bob Iger stuff. One, he stole my look. You don't get to be 75 and dress exactly like me. I, I, I resent the fact that Bob Iger does that. But also, he just, it, the part about when, when he talks, do, it, does it not? I know you're more into the Disney stuff. Does it not just sound so hollow and not like a real person? Like he was, he was saying like, uh, we're so excited to partner with Apple yet again to bring new experiences, to interact with characters and experiences. Our customers love, like it just, it doesn't sound real. And I can't tell, like, I know everybody hated Bob Chapek. Does everybody buy that from Bob Iger? I don't know. I, I don't. I actually don't follow Disney it, from the the business side all that closely. It it was f- fine. Like I, I I like I. That is the one thing where like again I I the one use case of this that I actually feel like is probably going to be successful or or is compelling is a richer entertainment experience. So like if you were able to have like a more immersive like hey like block out the world and watch this movie in a very like rich and intimate way. Awesome. I I remember like when 3d TVs came out and everybody hated them. If this allows people to make like 3d movies that are actually good. Cool. Um, the sports stuff, I actually thought the part that they showed in the keynote was pretty half baked, but I think having like a much more immersive, like kind of like stat casty, like you're watching like a football game or a basketball game, but you have like you look to your side, like you get to see like much more context, and if, like that, I actually think is very cool. But but it's just it's all like hampered by or like contextualized with the what is the reality of this product itself. But no, but entertainment and media conception, I do think are like kind of like the not the killer app, but like the one thing that this product would be immediately good at or useful for. So that that I don't hate at all. Like the Disney stuff, like I just found it cringy because it's Bob. But the rest of it, actually, I mean, as it being the best way to watch ESPN, that I actually don't doubt or yeah. think would be that far off. Right. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Only other note from the keynote, no um, COVID protocol thing at the end, <laughs> which um, yeah, I, end, end, of a, end of an era there. So. And I'm not going to listen to upgrade. What was the actual, but do you, can you give me like a 30 second thing on like what the, what was the in-person experience like? Cause like the Tim stuff was all like empty theater again. And the rest of it was all just like the straight to video thing. But in terms of like, what was like the on-campus experience? Was it just people outdoors on front of a screen watching a thing? Yeah. It was same, same setup as last year um, with watching the keynote. They then had that they were using the Steve Jobs theater for hands-on with the new Mac hardware and to look at the Vision Pro, not actually use it, but just see one like on a stand, basically. Um, and then they had a separate area where they were taking uh, press to do the actual like little 15-minute um, video, uh, actual demos of the Vision Pro. Um, and it, it sounded like, to your earlier point it sounded like people were really impressed by i guess like they they took the i guess it's the the new avatar movie and showed like a short clip of that in 3d and people said that that looked really good yeah again like not not looking to crap all over this or be small-minded about it but i I just feel like there's a there's a lot going on and also yeah 
super way early announced where I don't actually think there was like a developer. There wasn't really anything they even said about like, hey, well, here's how to make software for it. Unless I miss, or unless that's getting well, uh, but shunted onto the I State mean, of the Union stuff. I mean, basically like half, maybe more of WWDC keynotes now don't really have anything to do with developers. So, yeah. uh, I mean, that's, you know. Yeah. I don't see why this couldn't have been in the September event or its own thing. Like when, it, cause I like, it's not like the watch where they were trying to get ahead of, I don't know. Anyway, interesting product. And if Tim's to be believed, the most revolutionary thing that's happened in the last 40 years. We'll see. Chef specials. Start saving your money for a vision pro. Uh, will the price be the same when it's actually released? Uh, yeah. I don't think they would have. Mm. I don't think they. There was no reason for them to announce the price today. So I, I think, unless they were pretty sure about that, yeah, I think so. Interesting. I do not have a chef special this week, but I do have an anti-chef special or a chef's uh, a menu reject. We talked about this in person. We've talked and we've had this on the um, on the show as a pick before. There's was it? I always make the joke, but I never remember. Three twins, two tw- uh, two towns, three towns, cider house. Which one? Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember. Oh, okay, there's some Oregon brewery company that that makes uh, ciders, which actually pretty solid. They will have one that's called Cosmic Crisp. That's pretty good. Um, I recently tried just a single one of something called. Uh, where is it? I had the thing in the thing. Uh, it is called Bad Apple. Uh, the Bad Apple. Um, and it's supposed to be a slightly boozier one. Like the ABV on this one's 10.5%. And it was disgusting. I can't even put like what the flavor notes were or anything. It just was gross. So uh, for cider people, uh, just stick to Golden State Cider or anything else. That was uh, a waste of $4. 